starting a new sermon series this week on the book of Hebrews, as you just saw. The title of the series is Draw Near, and we will spend about six or seven weeks in one paragraph of the Bible. Now that may seem like a lot, but I can promise you that we will not get everything out of this one paragraph of Scripture that is there. In fact, we'll probably be fortunate if we get about 25%. This is really the deep end uh, of God's Word of theology, so I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19, and we will read through verse 25. And as we look at this section of the Bible... We are going to also today reflect on our vision statement and our core values. Draw near, church family. Let's read what the author, the unnamed author of the book of Hebrews, some think it was Paul, some think it was Apollos, we don't know, but he wrote these words to a church, to a local church, just like us, just like those of you on the live stream, just like us, to tell them to continue to pursue the Lord. Hear these words from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word. Let's go before him in prayer. Lord, we exist to know you, to know you and to glorify you and to walk with you. So we pray that we would draw near to you through the blood of Jesus. Show us yet again, whether we're hearing it for the first time this morning or for for the 10,000th time in our lives about the message of the gospel, that it would be fresh and powerful and stir our very souls, that you went on a divine rescue mission for us so that we would be with you forever. We pray now, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What is our vision and how is it possible? What is the vision of Northeast Presbyterian Church? Another way we could say that is why do we exist 
And then we'll spend most of our time this morning talking about how is that even possible. We don't talk about this statement all the time, although it, we do mention it periodically. But here is our vision statement. I hope you know that your church has a vision statement. Here it is. NEPC connects people to God and each other through Christ by gathering growing and going and that short simple statement was worked on for weeks by members of our staff to create a statement that we felt like reflected accurately who we were and we in particular spent time finding the word connects because we're a church that very much values relationships we value relationships with each other and of course our highest relationship is with God. And then under these three G words, gathering, growing, and going, we came up with six core values. Let me briefly share our core values. They are celebrating God in worship. It was important for us to make that our very first core value, to celebrate God in worship. There are so many places you could look in the scriptures for that. But one verse is Psalm 96, 9, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth, celebrating God in worship. In fact, that's the very next verse after our call to worship this morning. Sharing life together. That's what we do when we come on Sunday mornings. We don't just worship God. We also share life together. That's what we're going to do later today from 5 to 7 for our parking lot party. But Hebrews 10, we just read the verse. The author speaking to a church says, don't stop meeting together. Yes, they were tempted. Believers, 2,000 years ago, before COVID, before the iPhone, before every other distraction, they were tempted to not meet together. That's gathering. How about growing? Well, we want to be a church where we are learning and living out God's word, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So many of us, that's some of our favorite verses of the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 talks about how every word of the Bible is God's word. It's breathed out by him. We want to be a church that multiplies mature disciples of Christ. If you don't know Colossians 1, 28, that should be a verse that you have starred in your Bible. That should be a verse that you know about. Where Paul says, Him we, we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We don't want to just meet Christ. As wonderful as that is, we want to mature in Christ. I was, I'm reading a biography on Augustine right now. And at one point, Augustine... Uh, started following a cult. His mom and his parents raised him to know the Lord, especially his mother, Monica. But at one point, he went off and he got sucked into a cult, which is often how it works. He got immersed in the world and he got fully caught up. But actually, pretty quickly, maybe a year or so later, he became disillusioned with that cult and he left it. And he said one of the reasons, and there was a lot of reasons, it there was a lot of beliefs that didn't match up with the Bible, that didn't even match up with logic, that he could see were wrong. But one of the things Augustine said was, when I was a manichae, that was the cult, he said, I could never grow. 
He said, once I had the knowledge, that was it. I could never progress. I could never move forward. But friends, one of the sweetest things about the Christian life is that you can always be growing in Christ. Your progress in the gospel does not stop until you meet Jesus and then you are glorified. Amen? So here you are and you might think, I'm, I'm older in my life, I'm battling a health condition, I'm battling this. But you know you can never stop growing in Christ as long as God's given you breath. Multiplying mature disciples of Christ. Going. We want to be a going church. And we, I'll tell you, we have been, especially with global missions, but reflecting Christ's love to our neighbors and community. We see that Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And finally, promoting the gospel of Christ locally and globally. And more and more we talk about locally because we recognize that even here in Colombia, not everyone around us is a believer or has even heard the good news of the gospel. Now that's our vision. Those are our six core values. We seek to shape our ministry here at NEPC around those things. But we can't just say those things or they'll just be words on a piece of paper. We need to step back and ask this question. How is our vision even possible? How can we do this? How can we be a church that connects people with God and connects people with each other, even people that don't have a lot in common, even Gamecocks and Tigers, even people who work in different fields, even people who are from different parts of the country, how can we come together to share life? Let me talk a little bit more about the book of Hebrews. I told you we don't know who wrote the book, but it's clear and I would encourage you to read the book, especially read chapters 9 and 10 as we go through this series. It's clear that the Christians that the author is writing to, are th there are some who are thinking about walking away. Have you ever started to do something in your life and you thought about walking away? You thought about, I've, I signed up for this, but maybe I didn't fully know what I had signed up for. And now that the rubber meets the road, I am thinking about walking. I am thinking about quitting. And it's very clear, and this is why the book of Hebrews, by the way, it has passages on apostasy, which we won't talk about in this sermon series but those passages are all in the book of Hebrews because the author's writing to a church and they are thinking about quitting, some of them at least. They are thinking about walking away. And this is what the author does. He says, first of all, I, wanna, I want you to know what Jesus has done for you. I want to remind you of the greatness of Jesus, how Jesus is better than anyone else or anything else. And then I want to exhort you to not quit. To draw near, to draw near to God and to draw near to each other. And we can draw near to God because of what the Lord Jesus has done. I have shared before with you all in the past that before the Lord brought us to Colombia, which we absolutely love, the Lord sent us, it really was our missionary journey, to northern New Jersey for six years. We were in Teaneck. It's about 10 miles outside of Manhattan. 
and uh, it was quite an adjustment, a lot of snow, a lot of traffic, a lot of good bagels, everything you've heard, it's all true. But we, we, were, we were in northern New Jersey, and one thing I didn't know, I didn't know that at least where we were, and we were in a very wealthy part of northern New Jersey, that uh, in some ways, Bergen County, New Jersey is the mall capital of the world. So within 10 minutes of our house, we had about five shopping malls which were just palatial. I mean, they were enormous. And any place you wanted to go, I mean, any clothing brand, any kind of watch, any kind of jeweler, any brand you've ever heard of, at one of those five malls you could go to. And in fact, people from the city, people from New York, would even come out to New Jersey to go to these malls. Now, the Desch family would occasionally go to the mall, especially our kids were younger. You don't always have a lot to do. So we'd go to the mall, and sometimes we'd just ride the escalator up and down until the mall cop got mad at us. We did that a few times, and then we'd go get an ice cream. But I gotta be honest. Sometimes when I would be in these really nice malls in New Jersey, I would walk by a store that I knew I had no business going into. I would walk by a Rolex watch store, or I would walk by like a Louis Vuitton uh, clothing store. And I knew that that was, that was not, as on, a, on a pastor's salary, I was not going to be shopping at those places. But let me ask you, have you ever gone past a store that you know you didn't belong in, but you decided to walk in anyway? So every now and then I would, you know, just kind of walk around. I know I'm not the only one, folks, we can confess. Um, I would go in a store that, frankly, I didn't belong in. And as soon as I walk in, it's amazing the folks that work there. You know, they all have like an earpiece and a blazer on. And I think when I walked in, they were like, code red, code red. Um, <laughs> we we got to wander here. I would walk into those stores and, you know, you try to act like you belong a little bit. And if I'm honest, I'll tell you a few times, I maybe grabbed a watch and flipped it over, just looking for that, that tiny little tag. And I thought, did they, is this a misprint? Are there supposed to be this many zeros? Um, 25,000, you know, but you got to act like you, oh yeah, it looks about, looks about right for this one. Um, but I would, I would go in these stores sometimes. I would, you know, whether it was a Tiffany's jeweler or, and I would just be curious to know how the, the wealthiest people in the world, what the kind of, th what kind of things they bought. But, you know, the truth is that within, I would never stay long because within a few minutes of being in those places, I just knew internally, I don't belong here. I don't fit here. And also, if I drop a watch or a vase, Betsy's going to kill me, okay? But so I would just kind of come in for a, a minute or two. In the book of Hebrews... The author says, in our passage, we have confidence to enter the holy places. You know what that's really talking about? Other translations just say the holy place. Some translations even say the holy of holies. The author of Hebrews means the holy of holies. He, this, this author is very steeped in, in the Old Testament and in Jewish traditions. He probably is a former Jew, and he's probably writing to a largely former Jewish audience. Probably all of these believers were Jews prior to coming to know Jesus. 
And so they knew exactly what he was talking about. He says, friends, think about the temple, which was maybe the most majestic building in the ancient world before it was destroyed in 70 AD. And he says, think about the temple and the temple mount. And you had the temple and you had the the holy of holies. There was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then there was this giant, very thick curtain that separated the holy of holies from everything else. No one was allowed in except the high priest. One day a year, the high priest would go in. In fact, everything would stop in the life of God's people. Everything would stop that day when the high priest would go in. You can read about this in Leviticus 16. It was the Day of Atonement. And the high priest would walk in. And and it was almost like, you know, all those space movies where they go out into space and then they come back to the ship and they always have to go to like a decompression chamber first before they can go back into the ship. The high priest first, before he would go in, he had to put on certain clothes and he would bring blood with him and he would sprinkle the blood even on the altar above the mercy seat. You can read about this in Leviticus 16. And before he would leave, he would have to change clothes again before he went out to be with the people. Because God's presence is so holy. And because payment had to be made for sin, and so he would sprinkle the blood. He would sacrifice a bull. He would sacrifice two goats. One of them was the scapegoat that would be sent into the wilderness. The other one would be killed right there for the sins of God's people. And even, something that's even so remarkable is they would even tie a rope around the high priest's ankle. Because God is so holy, they knew that if something didn't go right, if the high priest hadn't really paid for his own sin through the sacrifice, that that could just be it right there. He would just die. And no one was going to go in to get his body. They were going to pull it out with a rope. And the reason that this system was in place is because God is holy and we are sinful. And God makes it very clear that blood has to pay for sin. Our sin before God is an offense to his glory. It's cosmic treason, R.C. Sproul called sin. It's rebellion to him. And only blood can pay for it. So it's against that backdrop, that sacredness of the Holy of Holies, that the author of Hebrews says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, the Holy of Holies, by the blood of Jesus. Confidence. We talked about this last week. Boldness. We can now with boldness and with confidence go into the Holy of Holies. How is that possible? How is it possible? By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is His flesh. It's a little confusing what the author is saying, but once you understand it, it makes sense. The author in our paragraph is saying that Jesus basically became the curtain for us. Because remember what happens? You can look it up in three of the Gospels. And three of the Gospels, after Jesus breathes his last, what gets torn into? The curtain. And that is such an incredible image 
Because when Jesus died on the cross, when he breathed his last, when he shed his blood, the curtain was separated and now access was given to us in a way that it had never been before. And the author says, he says, friends, remember this. It is through the blood of Jesus that you can now boldly, with confidence, go into the most sacred place that is possible, a place that deep down we know we don't belong, just like when I would walk in one of those stores and I knew this wasn't really where I belonged. But through the blood of Jesus, we now enter with confidence, with joy, with expectation. Do you know this? Do you know when someone really powerful and really wealthy goes into those stores? You know, they don't do the code red. <laughs> they do probably code green, which is get the champagne. Let's get out the comfy lazy boy and we're, and we're going to treat them like they're royalty because that's a person that is going to bring business to that store. Well, through Jesus, through Jesus, through his blood, we now have access to the Holy of Holies. Let me connect this to our vision statement. Let me connect this to our vision statement. Our vision statement is NEPC connects people to God and each other through Christ. The two most important words in that vision statement are through Christ. As important as the word connecting is, connecting to God, connecting to each other, before we go any further, we have to stop and remember this. It's only through Christ, friends. It's only because of what he's done by his blood that we can now have free access to be bold before the throne of God, to come by the blood. I want to show you a picture of a man that I admire. I've never met him in my entire life. He's Australian, and his name is James Harrison. At the time this picture was taken, he was 81 years old. I want to read to you a little bit about his life from an article in the New York Times. This is what we read about this man, James Harrison. I don't know if he's still alive today. When James Harrison was 14, he needed surgery. And as he would come to find out, he would also need a significant amount of stranger's blood to survive the surgery. After he recovered from the surgery, and as soon as he became an adult, Mr. Harrison felt compelled to pay it forward, he said. And so for the next 60 years, he suppressed his strong distaste for needles. He says he's never watched one go into his arm. And gave blood every few weeks at locations across Australia. Now that alone is an, is an awesome thing to do. But listen to the rest of the story. Along the way, medical professionals made a stunning discovery. Mr. Harrison's blood contained a rare antibody necessary to make a pioneering medication that officials at the Australian Red Cross Blood Service said had helped to save more than two million babies from a potentially fatal disease. They said more than three million doses of anti-D, as the medication containing Mr. Harrison's blood is called, have been issued to mothers since 1967. 
mothers in Australia have a 17% chance of having a condition where their baby's blood does not match up well with their blood. And the way it is treated is a plasma is drawn out and it can only be treated with this particular plasma. And Mr. Harrison, the doctors discovered, his blood naturally makes the plasma. That picture is the last time he gave blood. Because at age 81, his doctor said, this is getting dangerous for your health. We're not going to have you give blood anymore. You know how many times he gave blood? It's astounding. He gave blood 1,173 times. 1,173 times. His blood saved lives. More lives than we can imagine. Friends, those of you on the live stream, we all need a blood transfusion. We need somebody else's blood to flow through our veins that has an antibody that can heal this disease that afflicts every human being called sin, which flows in our very blood, though there is no test for it, though the evidence for it is all over the news. There may not be a blood test for sin, but how can you deny the effects of sin? All you have to do is look or open your eyes for even just a minute or two at this world. We need a divine blood transfusion. That's what Jesus has come to do. Jesus has come to give us a divine blood transfusion to save us by giving his life on the cross for us, by, for, by shedding his blood by becoming the curtain, the curtain that was torn in two so that we now have free access to the throne of God. I had to stop singing early in the service when we sang this line from the song, Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood, because I had to write it down. We just sang earlier in the service, we carry His life in our veins. And I thought, yes, Lord, we do. Because Jesus, because James Harrison, as amazing as that is, that's just an image, that's just a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for anyone who will bow the knee, who will say, Lord, I need a divine blood transfusion. I need an antibody. I need salvation from my sins. And Jesus, you have done it. As Hebrews 10 says, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way. It's new because it's, it's different from the old covenant with the high priest. And it's living because it gives life. He opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. Two lies that Satan would want us to believe today. As we start this new sermon series on drawing near to God. The first lie is that you don't have time for God because you got so much other stuff in your life and you don't know how God thinks about you and you don't know if you're worthy to be in his presence. And the other lie is that God doesn't have time for you because what would God care about me and my problems? But Hebrews chapter 10 says, 
that we can draw near. That we have boldness, we have confidence to go into the inner sanctuary, the place the priest could only go once a year. We can go into the very presence of God if we will cling to Jesus by faith, if we will come and say, Jesus, I believe that through your blood my sins have been washed away. I believe it, Jesus. I believe what the old hymn says. What can wash away my sins? Let's sing it, church. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let us pray. Oh Lord, it's only your blood that has made the way possible. We pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here or on the live stream that hasn't had that divine blood transfusion, that they would open up their hearts and receive it today.